to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 339 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? What's going on, brother? You know, there was a time, uh, I want to say about four or five months ago, where we were looking at this sport like, what a wasted fucking year for boxing. There ain't nothing happening. What are we even going to talk about on this show? And now it just seems to be fight after fight, Saturday after Saturday. We're getting good shit. I was fucking thoroughly entertained last night, my friend. Oh, dude, that was the like the greatest happiness hedge in the history of betting for me, it was very much like of the same inspiration and sentiments, feelings, memories, uh, warm and fuzzies from Broner Maidana. I mean, it, I don't know why <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't go into the fight with this vendetta or agenda against Tio. Like, oh man, I hope he loses. I hope he gets knocked out. No, I mean, I predicted that he was going to knock Cambosis out. I think in the seventh. I think you picked in the third or fourth. So. It, there was no approach coming into this thing, and wow, wow, twenty twenty one became the year that George Cambosis Jr. and Sandor Martin became two of my heroes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these guys just put a fucking cork in two of the most annoying entities <laughs> in boxing today. You know, and dude, I'm telling you what, I thought Angel Garcia was the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, no. But apparently, they, they got the yay away uh, from from Senor Garcia because, dude, Tio's dad is on some fucking magical sauce, my friend. He is, a, he is the biggest clown in the sport of boxing. We're going to get into it as as we, you know, as we get past the pleasantries here, but the shit that was coming out of his mouth last night un fucking believable. I'll tell you what. After watching last night and being right predicting fights for like the last month, the two of us, I'd much rather be 100% wrong and be thoroughly entertained like last night. Oh, it was awesome. It was one of those it was, dude, it's honestly one of those nights for the first time in a long time where I was up till 1.30 in the morning watching fights and I I was fine with it. I'm like, I'm fucking buzzing right now. I'm texting you I'm fucking like seven hours ago being like, hey, man, want to record today? <laughs> Normally it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess we could squeeze it in. They say that Ken and Vin just hate on boxing. Well, today's going to be a different version of hate. <laughs> oh, I'm going to find something to hate on. You guarantee that. <laughs> uh, it's a big episode, man. Uh, we had a war between Brandon Figueroa and Stephen Fulton. And in the fight preview, we got two big ones. Devin Haney versus Jojo Diaz and Tank Davis versus Isaac. Don't call me Isak. Don't call me Aesop. Don't call me Isaac Cruz. Um, at, uh, I think they're weighing in at a, at a regular tank weight for this one. So yeah, we'll dive <laughs> down into the, de <laughs> into the details <laughs> of this, uh, uh, huge, um, Showtime pay-per-view. And you know what? The timing of this pay-per-view couldn't have been better. You know, I mean, honestly, I think if you're going to order pay-per-views, you should put Tank Davis versus 
Aesop Cruz as, you know, the last one. Because when we're down to our last couple dollars, this is the kind of matchup we want to buy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unreal. This got to be the worst pay-per-view ever. We'll get to all of it. And, of course, you know, Canelo Alvarez, we are, you know, we're historians on this show. We're documentarians. Um, we're here to give in a living oral history <laughs> in the present on Canelo Alvarez and his quest for greatness. So we'll have the latest chapter as his quest for greatness hits a road bump, potentially, as Alunga Makubu may have to fight Machuno in a rematch. So on to bigger and better things. We march forward. Marius Bradis. Here we come on <laughs> yeah. our quest for greatness. So w- we'll have all the trials and tribulations on Canelo's quest to be the greatest fighter of all time. Um, but in the meantime, if you haven't subscribed to the Boxing Rant podcast yet, please do so anywhere an audio podcast is available. The video version is available on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel and on the website, theboxingrant.com. That's where the swag be. Follow us on Twitter, at Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, then, enough with the bullshit. It's time to get down to business. I could tell you, Vin, personally, caught a little bit of flack for how short our preview was of Tiafino Lopez versus George Cambosis. I think it was only like five or six minutes long. I got to tell you, and this is not a hindsight opinion, coming into this fight, Vin, I achieved peak level of exhaustion when it comes to Teofimo Lopez and whatever the fuck him and his father have been doing um, since they reached the big time. I'm just having a really hard time right now wrapping my head around what the fuck is going on in the lightweight division. After last night and the performance that George Cambosis put on, he fucking won. He deserved it. The judges got it right. This motherfucker came to Tio's backyard after, oh, well, Tio can't fight in Australia. Good thing. <laughs> Good thing that fucking fight wasn't in Australia. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, dude, Cambosis kind of schooled him a little bit. He kind of schooled him a little bit. Yeah. I, I, look, before I say anything about Tiafimo Lopez and his clown of a father, I, I, I want to make sure that the credit is given to George Cambosis for, for that performance last night because not only did he display a certain level of skill that I, you know, I knew Cambosis was a solid fighter, not, you know, not just some pushover, but we we held Tiafimo Lopez in very high regard, bouncing him on pound for pound lists off, you know, coming off of just one win against Vasily Lomachenko. But George Cambosis put all that to bed last night and honestly stood his ground and proved that he is a sturdy, sturdy, big lightweight that is not going to be easy for anybody to get out of there because Tiafimo Lopez was cracking him with some right hands and he got hurt a few times and he went down once, but he was able to withstand that storm and recover pretty quickly. That is hey, George Cambosis is an issue for anybody at lightweight. Now, on to Tiafimo Lopez, and first I'll go to Senior because, the, look, the level of arrogance that, that, that this team seemed to absorb 
And you know, we we used to talk about it with uh with Kodo and Canelo with absorbing the diva. I almost feel like Tiafimo Lopez Sr. and Jr. absorbed some of that Lomachenko arrogance when they won that fight. They they absorbed this level of we're untouchable now. We've achieved everything we came to achieve in this sport in one fight in one night. We've proven to the world we don't have anything left to prove. This is our world now. And, and the, the, the level of arrogance that has just consumed that camp and his father, I, I'm telling you, man, you, first of all, you take your son out of top rank. You want to get into this purse bid. You got it all figured out, don't you? You got it all figured out, you and uh, David McWaters. You have, quite frankly, the two of them absolutely derailed what was a rocket ship heading to space for superstardom after that win. They just fucking completely derailed it, pumped it full of bullshit. Now they got Tiafimo Lopez buying into this to this certain level of, you know, we belong here. This is ours. We like his reaction after that fight last night in the ring, that post fight interview just goes to show you the level of delusion that is surrounding that camp. Some if somebody does not sit Tiafimo Lopez down after that fight, somebody at top rank, somebody that he has to have trust in doesn't sit him down and tell him, you dump that fucking clown of a father out of your corner right now, or your fucking career's going nowhere. Did you hear those instructions in between rounds last night? The guy's fucking contradicting himself from one sentence to the next. Hey, calm down. Calm down, but we got to get this motherfucker out of there. Fucking get this motherfucker out. Like, I'm so sick of that, you know, and, and just listening to the guy in, in interviews. I'm from fucking Brooklyn, bro. I know fucking boxing, bro. I'm from fucking Brooklyn. I'll tell you. They're scared of us. Everybody's fucking scared of Tiafimo. You, you're, you're, you're just... Give it up, dude. Give it up. The fucking, you, you, I think you've been breathing too much of that Brooklyn air for about 35 years and it's fucking your head up because whatever you're talking about sounds fucking ridiculous and you're dragging the talent, the real talent, which is your son, right fucking down with you, dude. I'm, I'm telling you, Tiafimo Lopez will be fine in his career. Just dump daddy now. I mean, you got to get rid. I'm sorry. That that the the patheticness of that display, his post fight interviews, there's just no accountability for anything. Oh, you know, you live and you learn in this sport. That's a fucking that's a somebody could have told you. There's other people that have already lived and learned that you happen to be under under the umbrella of their promotional company. I'm no, no, no. Hey, Vin, Vin, he said, I hear you live and you learn. Like that that's what he said. Like somebody had said it to him, and he's like, "Oh, somebody told me that one." It's like I'm telling you, dude, the ignorance and arrogance is through the roof with Team Lopez right now. And if they don't get that shit squared away, and somebody doesn't straighten Tiafimo Lopez out and tell him, "But ain't you ain't gonna get to where you want to get to with your daddy being the mouthpiece, being the the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart," it ain't gonna happen. Dude, if they don't fucking fix that, I, I'm serious. I, look, I still believe this kid's talent is through the roof. 
And I still believe he has a, a, a lucrative, long career in front of him, and it could be in some really good fights. But they better they better switch it up, boy. They better throw a fucking change up now because they continue down this path. You know, you take a couple losses, and this thing derails, and he lo- he actually loses confidence. Then you got a major fucking problem. I think they have a major fucking problem. Oh, they do. Yeah, I, like I I don't think. The level of delusion that Tio has as well. Like, this isn't one of these things where, like, the son's not sure and he doesn't want to speak out. You know, this isn't a fucking Sean Porter, Kenny Porter thing where clearly one party is the disciplinarian and gets the fucking last word. These two, I don't look at them as father and son. They're equally as delusional. Like, they're equally as out of touch. I mean, did you hear that fucking pre-fight interview? With Tiafimo Lopez, he sounded like fucking Abe Froman from from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was like, "Well, I should say you do. Well, I sh- yeah, I think I'm gonna go in there and knock him out dead. Like I'm 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 like, are you fucking like, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> I, I've I've seen these guys before, man. I've seen these guys before. You know, the level of delusion." Has is not is not unprecedented in boxing. No, okay, not unprecedented at all. But the acceleration of the delusion in such a short period of time during a layoff, like it's it that that is completely unprecedented. I mean, it's it's one thing after the other. The last athlete, right? The last world class elite athlete that was fucking making signs out of quotes from Gandhi, okay? All in for week one. Fucking Robert Griffin III. The last time I saw an athlete who thought that he needed to deliver sage wisdom to all of the underlings of the world that he props up on his greatness. You know, it's like that level of fucking detachment Right. Mm -hmm. That level of delusion and craziness that has been achieved through a at warp speed with this camp. You saw it manifested, personified in the look on Carl Moretti's face sitting ringside during that entire fight. These two are in deep trouble. I don't think I, I don't think a trainer change. Dude, this thing is heading off the rails, Adrian Broner style, and it's going to happen way, way faster. You know why? Because Bob and Top Rank, they're not enablers. Al Heyman may enable that bullshit, you know, because that's at the that's at the crux. There's a ah, let's do as little as possible for as much as we can get. Sort of mantra baked into their fucking company policy over at the PBC. Bob, top rank ain't going to put up with that shit, dude. I don't care if you bring in the fucking fight whisperer, Virgil Hunter. You know, I don't care who you bring in. Nothing is going to separate these two. Tio and Senior, they're as thick as thieves. They're going to ride this thing all the way off the fucking cliff. You watch. I don't care how fucking talented he is, man. If the guy cannot be within himself during a fight, Vin. If he can't stay within his head and focus on the opponent, if he's going to go into the ring and be distracted at which camera's pointing at him, meanwhile, 
fucking George Cambosis is like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't bring the cocaine. That ain't my fault he's distracted, you know? And he capitalized. I wish this would have been so much more obvious, but dude, Tiafimo's talent level is supposed to trump and surpass all the bullshit that him and his father can possibly create. I don't think he is talented enough to overcome this. I mean, his dad says after the fight, he goes, yeah, you know, uh, we should have just been nicer to, you know, to top rank. We should have just known that they was being nice and, you know, you know, but well, now we're going to go back to top rank. We're going to have a pay-per-view next year and da, 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 da. I'm like, dude. Two pay-per-views. Who's going to want, yeah, two pay-per-views. Who's going to want to fucking, I, I'm telling you right now, man, if I'm fucking top rank because they've had some good fights this year, but I don't feel like much of it's been been overly lucrative. <laughs> so I know they're getting a, a, a slice of this payday, whatever it was, like eight, 900000 just for having him like under their label or whatever. So they're making money off of this, off of that loss last night. Well, where do you go from here? You, you Do you lay down the gauntlet and just say, listen, I know the family thing. We don't usually step in on this, but senior, you're gone or you're both gone. It's hard to envision a Tiafimo Lopez fight without his father in the corner. Like it's it's hard to envision them not being together at this point. I don't I don't expect the change to be made because I just I just feel like these guys are they'll kamikaze this thing together, man. They they really will. They're 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 that stupid. I, and I can't. I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to sit here and disrespect these guys and call them morons and all that other shit. I, I'm a self proclaimed dumbass idiot. I I. Uh, so trust me when I'm saying this, it's just an observation, man. Like these guys look really fucking stupid right now. And if they're going to continue to conduct themselves the way they're conducting themselves and think they're going to go back to top rank now, you know, you got to go back with your tail tucked, obviously. But boy, I bet you that big deal they signed, you know, whatever the money is involved now, I I'm guarantee you today top ranks going, God damn it. We fucking jumped the shark on that contract because these fucking goofballs can't get out of their own fucking way. And, you know, what are you going to do? You cut, you go to top rank. You're going up to 140. Let me tell you something after last night. If you think you're fighting Josh Taylor, <laughs> he will fucking destroy them, dude. You see, I mean, honestly, a big 135-pounder in Cambosis stood up to Tiafimo's power. And what did Tiafimo have after that? Not a whole lot. There sure shit was no instruction in the corner to help him out. I know that much. There wasn't no. one bit of technical advice given in that entire fucking fight from his father. But, you know, maybe you go to Chon Cepeda at 140. There's a couple fights there. But to go into like a big pay-per-view and you think you're just going to jump back into the ring with another big-time fighter, like I get that's what they've kind of come up on. You know, we're taking the big fights. We're not wasting any time. Guess what? Pump the fucking brakes, dudes. Pump the fucking brakes. You don't just jump a weight class after you get knocked out or knocked out. After you get beaten soundly by George Cambosis. And that's not a shot at Cambosis because he proved last night he fucking belongs at the top of 135 without question. Okay? But if, if that's what happens to you at 135 against George Cambosis, the road don't get easier at 140. I don't care if you were sucked down and you can't make 135 anymore, and, and that's the reason why your performance looked bad. I don't want to hear that. 
because at 140, that's not going to be a problem. And those are big boys up there. Those are big boys. You want to fuck around with Jose Ramirez? You want to fuck around with Regis Progre? You want to fuck around with Josh Taylor? Those guys aren't going anywhere in a boxing ring. Those are all tough motherfuckers, even Cepeda, all of them. So the road ain't going to get any easier at 140. Hey, look, I'm interested to see how this motherfucker plays out, Ken, because this could get interesting in 2022, my friend. It could get ugly. It could get very ugly. Um, I'd also like to uh, make commentary on those really stupid-looking tattoos on his back. <laughs> I think one of the I think one of the great things about about watching boxers evolve throughout their career is how their tattoo game, as they absorb more punches <laughs> and become more old and weathered throughout the fight game, it just completely it goes from awful and deteriorates to <laughs> fucking jailhouse tat status real quick doesn't it? it does it does and hey another thing i mean while we're piling on let's just short sure. pile all sure. the way on here sure that uh ring attire what was that a, was that some fake ass aladdin shit what the fuck was that dude it looked it looked like he went to the store like you remember them he-man toy sets you buy back in the day and you get the shield and the sword and the that's what it looked like. Like he went to fucking Spencer's gifts. It was like, Ooh, dad, I like that one. Let's get that one. And we'll get mom to be dazzled for us. And I'll wear it to the fucking like, dude, I saw it last night. Maybe I'm just, I was just high and being an idiot, but it was like, is this, is this a Disney costume? What the fuck is this? I mean, I'll give it to him. He, you know, he didn't want to have tired legs, you know? Um, but the level of delusion is it's strikingly similar. He hasn't gone as far as declaring himself uh, the new king um, of a fictional town in a Marvel movie. Um, but you know what? Anything's possible in the fight game, uh, especially with how much people cling to, you know, or their egos are attached <laughs> to their Twitter avatars. Dude, how many fucking inactive motherfuckers came crawling out of the woodwork last night going hey george man you look great last night man and by the way george man i bet you you'd look great if you fought me too man how about i get a shot at them belts dude i mean people crawling out of everywhere some of the most inactive motherfuckers that just sit around saying, oh, young, you be ducking me. Nah, young, you be ducking me. Yeah, fucking flyweights calling out Cambosis last night. Fucking Wilder wants a shot at the unified titles. I mean, dude, it was nuts. Have you ever seen something, the groveling, you know? Yeah. The groveling from the same guys that would be like, I ain't never going to let no white boy beat me. I ain't never going to let no white boy beat me. But as soon as he has something that that that, that everybody wants, oh, hey, George, bud. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it comes out, comes out that impression of a white guy voice. Hey, man, look great last night, bro. Let's get together. <laughs> I, dude, after it happened, my... <laughs> Y'all fucking shut the fuck up. After it happened, my first thought was, you know, oh, I bet... Uh, I bet Team Tank and Floyd they liking them 135 pound belts now. But I gotta I gotta give them credit. They weren't one of the ones that came out and were like desperate for the next shot at those belts. But Shakur was, 
No. Devin was. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia. Right, sit your ass down, dude. Sit down. <laughs> I think I'm going to fight this guy in my comeback fight. You get knocked the fuck out, too. <laughs> I, look. Okay, right guy. I just, it's hilarious, dude. That division is hilarious. But hey, maybe Cambosis, what he was able to pull off last night, he flipped everything on its head, much like uh, Andy Ruiz did beating Anthony Joshua in the heavy, heavyweight division, and the dominoes started to fall after that. So maybe this is the start of it. I don't know. But I think most of these guys, I think Devin Haney is not long for 135. So, you know... All of these big fights that we want to see, they're probably eventually going to end up happening at a bigger weight class. But I'll tell you what, just watching the 135-pound division, the way it's unfolded, it's been like a, 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 a daytime soap, man. It really has. It's been like the days of our lives, general hospital of fucking boxing. It's been fucking hilarious, dude. Oh, and it's been like the old 80s throwback episodes with all that wild ass hair and the shoulder pads and fucking dudes with painted nails and shit. You know what I mean? I mean, dude, I'm seeing, was it, was it the Devin Haney Tiafimo like face to face or something at a fight recently? And like Devin Haney. Yeah. It was the one where they're like, yeah, young, yeah, young. Hey dad. Hey dad. You watching dad? Hey, young, yeah, young. And, and during that, like back and forth shouting match, there's like a freeze frame. And somebody retweets it or whatever. And Devin Haney's like, you know, and this great, yeah, like in Tiafimo's face. And his fucking fingernails are painted. Yes. Did you see that? Yes, that's a thing, Ken. I'm I'm like, you can't be seriously talking shit. Like, are you gonna have that under your gloves? <laughs> like <laughs> I, I'm just wondering what do these guys think is important? You know? It's the Dwayne Haskins thing, right? Guy hasn't played a snap in the NFL, but he's got a logo. And at the draft party, before he's even been drafted, charging motherfuckers $50 a head for a private party at a bowling alley. <laughs> motherfuckers, all, business is open. Business is open. <laughs> you know, uh, It's fucking hilarious, man. You got a permit for that fucking pop-up stand? Nah, young, we selling shit. It's cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, dude, the putting the cart before the horse you know, all of these guys want what Floyd has, but none of them. I don't give a fuck. There's a few guys at the top of the pound for pound list, and that's it, that are willing to put in the fucking work to achieve this, right? I mean, dude, people act like he just showed up to that De La Hoya fight because De La Hoya picked his name out of a fucking lottery. Nope. Like, that's not what happened. The dude already had almost 40 fights. This guy had already chopped down at lightweight, big names. You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude was fucking taking scalps. Oh, that was his, that was his fifth division. Welterweight. Yes. So, you know, it's people just get, I'm sorry, fourth division. People just don't understand. Like, 37 fights, four divisions holding a belt. Then came the money. It didn't come at 23 years old, you know, beating up Gennaro Hernandez, thinking that should be a pay-per-view fight. Nah, that's not how it happened, folks. It's just not how it happened. Yeah, but Vin, these these clowns think that Floyd Money Mayweather was this man's persona from the jump. Like, the day he turned pro, his attitude was, I, I made it. 
about billions. I'm rich. His attitude was like Adrian Broner is the perfect cartoon. This guy was about billions before he made a million. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious, right? It's, it's, it is so fucking funny. All of them. But Tiafimo thought that the Lomachenko win to him and his, him and his dad equated it to what Floyd Mayweather had to put himself through to achieve the same thing. He did not become Money Mayweather until he arrived. You understand? He became about billions and about money once he had it. <laughs> right? He was not like that. He was pretty boy Floyd. He was about swag. He was about Merkin motherfuckers. You understand? That was his persona. This was a WWE-esque heel turn. Perfectly executed. Once in a lifetime. Will never happen again. You will continue to see this. And it will get worse and worse and worse as society becomes more uh, psychologically pussified. Right? Let's find the shortcuts, man. Let's bypass all that hard work, bro. We don't need any of that in our life. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, in boxing, I should say fortunately in boxing, there are people that come from other cultures, from other places around the world that don't put up with this shit. There's people that come from places in the U.S. and in and, and, and other corners that don't aren't affected by any of this nonsense whatsoever. People that will do whatever it takes to achieve greatness that will always be there to fucking settle the books at the end of the day. The charlatans will be the charlatans, and the truth in the ring will always be exposed. Yep, and look, the 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 truth has been exposed. Uh, can they reverse that? Can 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 Team Lopez get their shit back on the tracks and get this train moving in the right direction? The talent's there, man. He's got the talent, okay? Mm -hmm. But it, you better make some fucking changes, and you better make them now. All right, let's get to this other post-fight. Brandon Figueroa versus Stephen Fulton. WBC and WBO 122-pound straps on the line. I got to be honest with you, Vin. You can read box rec all you want. Sometimes you don't really understand a size difference until two people are allowed to inflate a little bit mm -hmm. after a weigh-in, and they are standing across from one another. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it was the size difference last night, the size difference last night, that gave Stephen Fulton the most problems. I'll give you my little brief synopsis. For Figueroa was aggressive. He had the right game plan, and he utilized his advantages. And I give him and his team props. His corner was absolutely excellent. They were great all night long. And the effort was there to turn this thing into a war. But during the middle rounds, when Figueroa was applying the hardest pressure, that's when I began to notice Stephen Fulton doing his best work. The accuracy of his inside game and counterpunching was so much more precise. It was a level above. I completely agree with those eight to four scorecards. I know a lot of people thought that that fight was way closer and Figueroa should get bonus points for being a warrior. Yeah, fuck all that shit, man. Stephen Fulton, he dealt with 
more of a size disadvantage than I thought he was going to have to. And I thought he weathered it pretty good, man. He's a really good up-close inside fighter. It's that intermediate range against a guy Figueroa's size is where he struggled at moments in that fight. Nothing taken away from Figueroa's performance, but I definitely saw uh, a guy that went in there and won eight solid rounds uh, with accurate, tough, tough, but precise work. Yeah, I, I thought that fight was was really close, and I, you know, you that's one of them fights where do you really want to argue about people's scorecards because it, it it boils down to to preferences and what people like watching in a fight that's that's that close. And, and I'm with you. I think Stephen Fulton edged the fight. I wasn't scoring the fight, but I thought he did the the cleaner work, the more effective work throughout the fight. And you're right, man. That size difference. When that when they got in the ring and they're staring each other down for that first bell, I went, shit. I, and Figueroa's gas tank is, if not the best in boxing, one of the three or four best. Uh, just a relentless, relentless attack. Um, but you're right. I think sometimes when it got up close, you know, Figueroa was throwing a lot of punches and he was landing too. But there's a certain thing when, like when I'm looking at aggression. I get it. I, I I prefer an aggressive fighter over a boxer. If I'm you know if I'm going to be scoring based on ring generalship in a tight round, the guy who's aggressive is going to get it. But if you're aggressive and the punches that you're landing, there's not really a whole lot on them. Like some of the Brandon Figueroa had a lot of throwaway punches, is what I call them. Like they landed. I just don't know how effective or what kind of damage they were doing. You know, I to me, you're 100 percent correct, Fulton landed the cleaner shots he picked them off on the way in a couple times with really nice right hands uh, it, the inside fighting from Fulton is something that we saw kind of he he started to unleash in that Angelo Leo fight the fight before last night uh he unleashed more of it last night he's just he's look for if if one thing's for sure he's a sturdy ass 122 pound fighter you know he stood in there against a guy that's going to be at featherweight and maybe up at 130 at some point in time in Figueroa. That's a big boy. So, you know, for him to be able to prove that he can withstand that that physical physical pressure for an entire fight and, you know, put out enough output to be able to get a decision in a tough fight. I know Figueroa thinks he got robbed, whatever. I'm not, I'm not so sure I agree with him that he had uh, Fulton hurt like four or five times in the fight. I, I was tired. It was late. Maybe I didn't see it, but I, I wasn't noticing any any kind of like, you know, any point in the fight where Fulton was in trouble at all for maybe more than a, a flash split second after a punch landed. So, yeah, I, to me, Fulton made another statement. Figueroa's a better fighter than I thought, but I think Fulton did what he does in the boxing ring, which is he's, he's in control. That guy is at look. He, his name coming up has not been talked about with the best young fighters in boxing, and he's a little bit older. But uh, as far as talent goes and and, and a, a full array of tools to be able to use in the boxing ring, he's got it inside, he's got it outside. The kid can do a lot. He can do a lot. And at 122 right now, he, he's the cream of the crop. There's, there's nobody at 122 right now that can beat him in my eyes. I one of my fights, and I talked about it in the last episode. You know, one of my top five wish list fights for next year would be Stephen Fulton and Niall Inouye 
that to me is an absolute fucking war and a high, high level of skill on display in that fight. That is one that is at the top of my list. Yeah, because Stephen Fulton, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit uh, as far as like technically, I should say, right? He reminds me a little bit of Josh Taylor. He, he he's got like a he can box from the outside like with the best of them, right? But he can get real gritty and real dirty on the inside um and muck it up. He can fight however he needs to fight. There's not a lot of fighters that have that level of diversity to their technique. <laughs> I mean, did you fucking laugh a little bit last night when Tio switched the southpaw for a second? <laughs> what I think what he just long? Got confused. It wasn't long. <laughs> He was like, "Oh shit, I stand in the wrong way." Like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he meant to do it, <laughs> you know. And I can really appreciate a guy uh, that can fight in any style that's proposed to him on that night, which makes the unification at one twenty-two, you know, the biggest fight um, in that division. But yeah, a fight with Inouye would be great because I think that while Fulton, you know, I, I don't see much of a he could go up to one twenty-six and fight, you know, the likes of Gurry and stuff like that, no problem. But I don't see him really being, you know, an imposition mm-hmm. at 126 or 130. At 122, I think uh, that's the fucking sweet spot right there. Now we just need, um, you know, some more big fights, man. But a great effort by both guys. That's not a fight I need to see a rematch of. And it's not fight of the year for me either. Just because the the action, I'm not complaining about action. I do love action. But it was monotonous it was like watching the same waltz on fast forward for 45 minutes like that's just kind of there wasn't a lot of like ooh, brandon figueroa ooh, digging deep oh like there wasn't right. any of that it was just kind of the same same thing same counters from fulton they both went at it there was a lot on the line now their hearts cannot be argued no it's gonna take a little bit more nuance in a fight for me personally um, you know, for it to achieve, you know, the levels of fight of the year. But, you know, nonetheless, paired with what happened in the Tiafimo fight, <laughs> an excellent night of fights. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I would say I was more entertained watching the, the Tiafimo-Lopez-Cambosis fight, but that's not to say that that, that Fulton-Figueroa fight wasn't good. I think people might get a little carried away with the fight of the year shit. That happens every fucking weekend now. There's like a one fight every weekend. That's it. That that one's in the fight of the year conversation. And sure, you know, can it be in there? Can it be in the conversation? I'm not telling you not to talk about it when you talk about fight of the year, but it's not in my conversation. It's just one of those ones that was like, hey, I got nothing to complain about here. That was a hell of a fight. Hell of a fight. And the biggest thing I will take away from that fight with uh, Stephen Fulton is this. He didn't fight his fight and still won. He fought the fight that Brandon Figueroa wanted to fight and was able to pull it out. That is super fucking impressive when a guy's like, shit, I'm not going to be able to do what I wanted to do, but I could still beat this guy doing what he does best. That is impressive fucking shit. That's that tells you right there that this kid is legit. Yeah. And dude, a tough fight like last night is just going to make a guy like Stephen Fulton even better. Yes. You know? Too many of the young fighters today look at that, like watching that fight last night, like, oh man, that's way too much stress. I don't need all that. Let me get a mismatch. You know, <laughs> you know? They, they do. They just, they'd rather watch something like that. Right. Um, and it's good. It's, it's great. In fact, 
that Stephen Fulton and Brandon Figueroa exist in the in the in the fight game today. That's kind of my overarching thing. Yes, <laughs> I'm glad they're here. <laughs> oh man! So there is a new unified champion. Um, let's go ahead and keep up with the trend, right? Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, one last thought on the fights from last night. I think one of the really uh, understated achievements, and it's going to really carry. Uh, the most financial gain for George Cambosis moving in the future. People say you become the unified lightweight champion of the world in the United States, foreign territory. That's enough. You'll be doing all the late night shows. You'll be, you know, fucking raking in all the appearances and signing fees. But the most the most valuable thing that that George Cambosis got in this fight were the actual belts. Those belts were in a fucking photo standing next to Canelo Alvarez. Like the value of those belts has skyrocketed past any cryptocurrency boom that's going on right there. You know what? <laughs> These fucking belts need their own blockchain. Let's start a blockchain. All right. You can send it all your investments to my PayPal account and we'll invest it in uh, these imaginary floating boxes that will keep these belts in and we'll say Canelo breathed on them. Right. I mean, that's really the big takeaway of the night is that. Cambosis got something far more valuable than the stature of being the world's champion. Indeed, he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. Uh, fight preview, Vin. We got two big names in action. Let's make it three. Hey, and a guy named Isak as well. So we got JoJo, Isak, Tank, <laughs> and Devin. Uh, Devin Haney versus Jojo Diaz for the WBC lightweight title. So Devin Haney is going, you got Jorge Linares notch on the belt, albeit a faded Jorge Linares, but still a notch. We know how, we know how these young bucks be counting W's. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So he's got the Linares name and now Jojo Diaz. Um, Dude. Jojo Diaz, you want to talk about a, a physical transformation. This guy went from the reputation of being a pillow-fisted featherweight all the way to now fighting for a lightweight title, looking like one of the leaders of the Mayan MC. So this should be a tough fight just on its face, right? Devin Haney, if he comes out and boxes like he did in the first half of the Linares fight, he will have a much better chance of beating Jojo Diaz decisively in this fight. Jojo, he could war with him if he wants to. That's not really going to lead anywhere. That'll just cause problems for Devin Haney because Jojo Diaz can fight in combination, punching aggressively on the inside. He's a he's a slick boxer himself. But Devin Haney showed a level of boxing acumen and athleticism where he can really dominate motherfuckers if he can stay focused in a fight. So that's going to be what I'm most interested to see about Devin Haney in this fight is what their game plan is, and if he sticks to it, what the fuck does he do when the going gets tough? These are still questions we need to ask of our current state of these prospect champions. I think Jojo Diaz is just the guy to answer all the questions needed of Devin Haney in this fight, except one. And that's the fucking chin. Yep. <laughs> you know? And now, hey, 
Tio got to get back in line for that Devin shot. You know what I'm saying? He got to go through X, Y, and Z. He got to go through two stages of interviews and a piss test <laughs> and a federal background check as well before he gets that opportunity again. So it's, it's working out for Devin. Um, Devin made a comment last night after the fight saying, see y'all motherfuckers, I told you y'all that Tio was a fraud. I'm like, wow, I'm going to save that tweet. Because <laughs> I don't know if you... But, hey, that's today's generation, man. Let me just say that um, less than a week before I get in the ring against my toughest opponent in my fucking life. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> I tell you what, boy. It's a fucking... There's a interesting little fucking dichotomy that, that Team Haney has to, has to live with right now in his career. It is, do we box the way we boxed in the first six or seven rounds of that Lenars fight and win easily? yet bore most people to death because they're not prepared to sit there and watch that level of boxing and, and, and what's what appears to be safe boxing on some levels for 12 rounds and, and have to hear the bullshit that comes with that style? Or do you at, at a certain point open it up like they did against Lenars and got caught and did the stanky leg back to their corner? You know, it, it's, it's, it's fucked up, dude, because – he can win. Like I, the game plan is just box, and you beat JoJo Diaz. Stay behind your jab, one twos. Don't put yourself in harm's way. Don't let JoJo get on the inside because JoJo Diaz is going to want to get in tight, and he's going to want to counter. And, and, and JoJo Diaz, I'm telling you, is a sneaky motherfucker. Okay, he does not get the credit <laughs> I think he deserves as a boxer or has to this point in his career. This is not going to be an easy fight for Haney because I, I don't expect JoJo to, to, to allow it to be easy. Uh, I, I, there's kind of been this slight shift in what JoJo Diaz has been as a fighter. You mentioned it with the uh, looking like he's straight out of, out of Sons of Anarchy or the Mayans MC or whatever that fucking show is. He looks like a straight-up cholo to me. This motherfucker went from pink hair with white polka dots to straight up fucking Pancho Villa. I, like, I don't know what, like the transformation is ridiculous, but I, it got that. He got that shoe polish, right. you know, but I noticed it in his fights in his, his most recent fights, the way he carries himself. He just seems like a different mm -hmm. fighter. Like he found some level of confidence. Uh, he he's comfortable with where he's at in his career right now, dude. I think we got a fight on our hands Saturday night. If Devin Haney decides to, not play it safe. If there's at any point in this fight where he thinks that he has to prove something and go for it and throw down in the middle of the ring in tight with Jojo Diaz, there's going to be an interesting fight. If he boxes, he can win nine rounds, 10 rounds, easy. I might even say he could win all 12 if he decided to do that. That's how good he is at that boring style of boxing that everybody fucking hates, that nobody wants to watch. You know, I... I don't, I, I feel bad for him. I don't, you know, in that position, what do you do as a trainer? What do you tell your fighter? To me, it's you box and you wait for Jojo Diaz to make a mistake when he gets desperate and you open it up in spots and you got to be smart about it. You cannot at any point in time fight Jojo Diaz's fight because he will beat you if you do that. I'm, I'm convinced that what, at what Jojo Diaz does good, Devin Haney can't do that. Devin Haney is a boxer, so you better box your way to a win or you're going to find yourself in a fight. You know, you know what I'm saying?
And, dude, wouldn't it be something to travel to Australia for the Cambosis versus Jojo Diaz unification? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a fucking fight to travel halfway around the world to, <laughs> wouldn't that be... Uh, fucking Tio and Devin should be forced to watch that fight together on pay per view. <laughs> do like a Manning, do like a Manning cast, like they do on Monday Night Football. Have them come. <laughs> <laughs> as long as Ryan Garcia can host. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> th- I'm telling you, man. If that's what happens on Saturday night, and that's the fight that culminates. <laughs> Like the the best fighter at 135 pounds right now. Oh my word! Oh my fucking word! Might be time to step away, man. They're not going to be a future to cover. No. <laughs> but that would be fitting. I mean, that oh. would just be so fitting if that fucking shit happens. I agree with your assessment, man. You know, Jojo Diaz is seasoned enough, and I I agree. Like you mentioned, his confidence is somewhere different now. Probably his focus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just the fact that he's focused on one one style, yeah, <laughs> one hairstyle for a while, like shows you that that he's fucking focused. If this guy is 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 on his fucking Dennis Rodman San Antonio Spurs kick, where he had a different hair color like every single home game, then I'd be like, mm, not so sure this motherfucker focused for this one, right? right. So um, yeah, I hope it gets down and dirty. I hope that. Devin Haney's ego uh, gets dented because I think that that'll be enough to draw him into a firefight. I do. I don't even think it'll take sustained pressure from Jojo Diaz. I think if Diaz fucking rings his bell once, Devin's going to be like, he's going to be just like Tio. Where are the cameras at? Did, did y'all see that? No, they didn't see that. No. No, they didn't see that happen. I, oh, no. Oh, no. They did see it happen. And meanwhile, while he's thinking about it, he's getting pieced up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is it, man. It's the proving grounds right now. Maybe the layoff that Ryan Garcia is having right now, maybe this is the best time to have a layoff. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to sit back and pop some popcorn, play in some celebrity poker tournaments. Lay low, man. Who who knew that the end of this year was going to be like the gauntlet was going to be laid down for for these young guys at 135, boy? Who knew? Oh, man, there's always a reckoning in boxing. Um. All right, let's get to our prediction for that fight. Do we even predict it? Who's going to win? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what. I, I think Devin Haney's going to be smart here, and I think he boxes his way to a pretty wide fucking decision. And, and, and if, if you're betting this fight, just bet the over because n- neither one of these guys hit hard enough. Nobody's getting knocked out in this fight. It's going 12 rounds. So do yourself a favor and put money on over 10 and a half. There it is. That's the bet. Um, I'm going with the A side in this one because, unfortunately, <laughs> not all the A sides can lose all the time. <laughs> Some of these guys got to eventually win. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's get to little league boxing. Uh, Tank Davis versus Aesop Cruz uh, for the Tank Weight Championship on Showtime pay per view. Look, I want to take this seriously because I think that I think that Isaac. Yeah, Isak sure, whatever. Is I I think he is a solid fighter. I do. I think he's technically solid, sound. He's got decent power against the guys that he's fought so far. But what this is now at this point in Tank Davis's career, he's fighting nothing more than a prospect in this fight. I understand that Isaac Cruz is a better fighter than Riley Romero. 
10 ways to Sunday. You guys wanted to make believe that Riley Ramiro was the guy because he talked shit. And in some circles, that is currency that you can exchange for victories in the ring. Unfortunately, the theme to this show has been how the boxing ring will give the ultimate truth. Yes, it will. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know? I mean, dude, the judges can try to finger bang it all they want to, right? That pussy ain't popping. We know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I'll I mean? Take a little, go so, take a little more than that. <laughs> so I do agree. I do agree with the blanket sentiment that Isaac Cruz is a better fighter than Riley Romero. But I also want to be very clear that Isaac Cruz is just a prospect, really. Okay? So Tank Davis should knock his block off. That's the intention here. I want to know, Vin, at what point, right? I know he's going to sell pay-per-views. I know he's going to be rich and clout this and clout that. Good for him. That's his, that's his market. That's his currency. And I am not going to fault a man for playing the game because Tank and his team, they know how to play it. But what's after Isaac Cruz? Will he be the one that approaches a George Cambosis fight differently? Because Floyd potentially could offer Cambosis the biggest sum of money he has ever made in his life. And Tank, not necessarily through his own personal clout, but through his handler's clout, could give Tank the advantage of having that fight in Las Vegas. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the angle, but I got to ask you, Vin, you're a Tank guy. What the fuck is going to happen next? Because he can't stay in the Little Leagues forever. He just can't. No, and I think they realize that the uh, the, the the cash ca- or the uh, the cash train of these easy fights is, is running out of track. They, they know it. All right. <clears throat> and you're right. They may go after Cambosis. It's so hard to predict what the fucking play is from them next because the problem is as long as he's selling out arenas and as long as he's doing 250 to 300,000 pay-per-view buys, they may continue to milk it. I don't fucking know because it's lucrative for them right now. All I know is that boxing fans, at least certain boxing fans, like this is the last straw. Okay, I'm a tank guy. This is the last straw for me. I'm okay with this fight. I get it. I understand. Fine. There has got to be a plan to get him into the ring with one of these other star fighters at this weight. I know we've heard talks about Lomachenko and this and that. Look, it's it, it's just got to be somebody, a legitimate champion at 135 pounds. The division's on its head now. Settle in. You know, dude, I, I I feel like, you know, I, the long play for Team Tank is it's eventually a Lomachenko fight. And whether that's it's I don't think it's it's later rather than sooner. They're going to wait till they see a little bit more slippage. Like we're going to have to see a little bit more slippage and then we'll make that fight at the opportune time for them. But, you know, after that, I, I just I don't know, man. I don't know where the fuck they're going. All I know is they better go somewhere. The regular belt thing, you know, the the own fucking universe of, you know, we get to act like this is this is legitimate big league boxing. I, you know, I get it. Cruz is a legit fighter. Tough kid is not a walkover in any stretch of the word in a boxing ring. But he's also not on tanks level. So this is another one of them fights where you know what you're getting coming into it. 
Like I expect Cruz to account himself pretty well and Tank allows himself to get hit. So you're going to see him get hit in this fight and you're going to see, see this, you know, there's going to be some good exchanges and they'll mix it up for a little while until Tank absolutely wears him down and batters him and stops him at some point. It may be a little later in the fight. It may be the eighth, ninth round before that happens because Cruz is a tough motherfucker, but it's going to happen. Trust and believe that. Okay. That's what this tank run is set up to do to, to show everybody what kind of a, this little fucking tank is such a destructive force that nobody can go 12 rounds with this guy. He's going to fucking just beat on you and beat you down until you can't take it anymore. And he'll stop you either drop you and stop you, or they're going to stop the fight. I, you know, that's going to happen again this Saturday night. Book it. I don't care whatever rounds you want to bet. I'm not going to try to predict the in the second half of this fight. It's going to be over emphatically. Tank is going to drop Isaac, Isak, whatever the fuck you want to call him. And, and it's going to be good night. I read. Okay. That's all fine and good. We all know that's happening. The question is what you asked me, right? I don't care about Saturday night. Where are we fucking like, okay, what are we doing now? Like, I, you know, I'm just not going to sit around and keep showing up and paying. You can't expect me to keep fucking paying. If this is one thing, if it's just on Showtime, fine. But to keep paying for this shit, nah, it's not going to happen. That That's the crossroad they're at right now. Like, you're going to reach in people's pockets one too many times there, Leonard and Floyd. Yeah, they have reached in mine one too many times. I'm, I'm not buying this fight. It's it, it's a it's a showtime fight. It's in a an alternate regular universe. They're cherry picking their opponents no matter how you slice it. So I can't pay for that. Like that's not I'm not in it for the clout. I don't get anything out of it, right? I'm not a pocket watcher like some of our listeners are. Um I don't give a fuck. I, I'm not going to float Tank's lifestyle. Like, that. I, that's not, <laughs> like, that's not, like, something I aspire to in life, right? And that's what this is. You're just floating a lifestyle right now. There's no challenge here. Um, and if there is a challenge, then it's Tank's fault, and he wasn't prepared for it. Um, fortunately for Team Tank, they're not fighting a 40-year-old Cuban, because if they were, he'd be in trouble. <laughs> Um, I'd say this. One thing I have noticed about Tank in the in the lead up to the last fight and in this fight is there seems to be a transformation into how serious he's taking the sport. Um, you know, even just as simple as like little shit, like working with the media, doing interviews. He, you, you can see he's starting to get it, and I think you know Floyd being in his ear and Leonard being in his ear, telling him the the potential that is there. If he does take it serious, you know, you can make 25 to 30 million in your career and be just fine. Or we could approach the three digit millions, you know, and be gener have generational wealth. That's the type of potential that's there. I see it's like, it, it seems like it's starting to click. It seems like it. The kid's not blowing up in between fights. There seems to be some level of plan, but this, they need to get off the easy road and exit onto the highway and see if they can merge at 75 fucking miles an hour with the rest of the fucking boxing world. Enough of the bullshit, okay? Enough of it. A new approach, a new lifestyle. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's all going to work out just <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's all, all going to work out just fine. Um, yeah, I'm just going to predict 
Tank beats him because, you know, sh- he should knock him out. And if he doesn't, who cares? Then maybe he should stay in the minor leagues. I don't know, man. I'm not paying for this, no. though. There's a 0% no. chance of that, man. I've got to, you know, as much as I want to fucking cancel my DAZN subscription sometimes, I'm just going to watch Devin Haney versus Jojo Diaz. That's already paid yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> Team stream going to be strong on Saturday night, son. Yeah, y'all going to get that 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 crack stream report uh, uh, after that for sure. Um, all right, then. That's enough for the fight preview. It's been a busy episode, but you know I'd like to close the show with the next chapter in the saga of Canelo Alvarez. Um, you know, as a boxing historian, self-proclaimed boxing historian, it's right next to my pronouns in my Twitter bio. Um, uh, having that level of of expertise in 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 all things Canelo Alvarez. This is strategic, you know. Makubu versus Machunu too was always going to happen, right? This was just a smokescreen um, to achieve the greatest levels of success and really to achieve David Copperfield-esque illusions. Um, You have to present something to the public, lower their expectations. So when you follow through with the intended fight itself, um, it'll live, you know, the old saying, uh, rising tides lift all boats, right? Um, and the actual plan that's unfolding before our very eyes, and I, I really thought all you Canelo pocket watchers would already have this figured out. It's been Marius Bradis all along. So that's the path. Um, cruiserweight glory yeah. has been the center of this. I was I was really skeptical at first. I was like, oh, this, you know, this Makubu thing, it's a cheat belt and this, that, and that. you know what? I'm on board with this being all about boxing glory. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the Bradis fight when they announce it, uh, when they get in the ring, it's going to be, it's going to be great because this is really going to be the truest test. And actually it'll be interesting to see, um, the eruption from the head of Canelo Alvarez when Marius Bradis squashes it like a little grape. Um, <laughs> But you know what? He is Canelo Alvarez. He can leap tall buildings in a single bound. So I'm really looking forward to this Bradis fight. I'm glad that they've announced it and signed the contracts already. Um, the Makubu thing, a bit much. I mean, you know, I know sometimes comedy doesn't translate through cultures and countries. Um, my bad. But I get it now. And um, I, I just only think it's fair that we recognize game, recognize game, like we say on this show, man. Um uh, if I had a build hat on, oh, here's one. Hold on. I'd like to tip my cap to you, uh, Senor Canelo and E. Los Reynoso. <laughs> so that's it. That's the uh, the latest chapter in the Canelo saga. And I just cannot wait to read the epic finale because if he does fight Marius Bratis, mm, that's where it all ends for him. <laughs> right there. <laughs> that's where the white boy summer, um, I guess it would spring eternal after that, wouldn't it? <laughs> Look, man, I, I'll tell you what, the funniest part of this whole situation is that Don King is is is, is right at the center of it because he manages Makubu. I, which is funny to me because I'm wondering to myself, like they announced this Machunu fight. I'm like, I'm thinking, Donnie, you, you're losing a step there, buddy. I, I mean, he lost a step a while ago, but don't you, you're, you're kind of fucking up your, your chance with, with Canelo here. That's, 
that's your last big money fight before before you're up at the pearly gates and you get kicked out by the way because you ain't getting in uh, you know i like i'm, I'm kind of confused <laughs> kind of confused by what what king's doing here but look man i don't want to see the like thank you for doing the machunu rematch and and maybe canelo fights machunu if he beats makubu this time i just don't like all of that whole situation i don't really give a fuck about man like that's it's a like a little bit advanced version of what we were talking about with tank it's it's like some alternate shit that i don't like cool canelo's going to cruiserweight i get it that's an achievement blah 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 whatever you want to fucking get on your knees and suck dick about it go for it i'm not going to only because i know that he can beat makubu it's another fucking fight where it's like well canelo's gonna win this one pretty easily and you know we're gonna have to heap praise on him again as as he beats another inferior opponent i it, i don't know man the whole situation to me i could i could really give a fuck about man canelo fight the guy but I, but ali went to africa then but guess what Ali didn't go to Africa and fight nobody named Makubu or well, Mc- He went to Africa. He went to Africa and fought fucking George Foreman. Okay. <laughs> well, so <laughs> right? Makubu and Machunu apparently might be fighting at a small town in Ohio. So go fucking go figure that one. <laughs> yeah. And I just find it fucking hilarious that people thought that Canelo was going to go and fight in the Congo. That that guy, that fucking that cheese liquor guy that was fighting six rounders before he fought for the vacant belt, right? Against against Makubu, yeah, yeah. right? Um, you know that that epic clash of cruiserweight greatness that we don't know about because we don't know how to you know pronounce cheese Lick's last name properly, so we don't really understand the cruiserweight division, even though we fucking covered it more than anybody over the last eight years, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy, right? Did you know that? The night before the fight, him and his team were fucking robbed of everything. Yes. They just, they were fucking robbed. Yeah, Canelo. Canelo's going to go to the Congo with all of his fucking Louis Vuitton luggage. Dude, dude <laughs> they're fucking, that setup for that C-Slack uh, Makubu fight was like, that wouldn't even have been the side stage in Eddie Hearn's backyard fights. Like, they got. A, they went to like the local tent place and rented a tent, and and had. To, yeah. I mean, the whole fucking like you couldn't have had a l- more low rent fucking arena that they constructed for that fight. Well, the, do you remember? Well, look, the they, crowd after that fight was absolutely out of fucking control. It was, dude. It's just fucking absolute pandemonium after that fight. Canelo ain't going over. If they do that fight, that's in Mexico City. Well, that's just it. Like, why would, like, p- people are like, oh, but, you know, he can make more money if he goes to Qatar, he goes to Africa, he goes to this, he goes to that. Really? So you're trying to tell me that if Canelo leaves a, t- a prime time time zone, his Mexican fans are just going to be like, oh, yeah, man, we'll fucking wake up in the middle of the night. Look, Canelo cares more about his fans in Mexico and what time they watch his fight than he does about any American boxing fan or any fucking guy named Sununu from fucking Africa. Canelo Alvarez needs to just get on with life. Stop with the fucking publicity stunts. 
You don't need this kind of cheesiness in your life. Stop fighting schleps. You telling me you're going to go to the Congo and fight a guy who got knocked out by Tony Bellew? Come on, Canelo. <laughs> Come on. As, as your personal historian and documentarian, I would request that we don't do that at this time, especially with the Transformer Galvatron Optimus Prime Omicron COVID variant that's going around in Africa right now. Um, I don't think that that would be. I, I, it, it has a particular effect on white ginger. Yeah, we wouldn't want you. Wouldn't so, want you to get the sniffles now, would we? Look, man, I'm just going to um, look forward to Golovkin versus Murata. Golovkin looks in amazing shape, and I hope he absolutely destroys Murata. And I hope that little ginger speckled pecker gets some blood flow after that happens because. I need that chapter closed once and for all. No matter how it ends, Vin, I'm willing to deal with the emotions. I hope G looks good, though. I really yeah, if do. if he looks... I don't want to see Makubu Machunu to no. do. <laughs> oh, nobody does, man. Nobody does. It's it's Benavidez. It's Triple G. It's anybody else. It's Baturbiev. Bivol. Somebody. Just not Makubu, man. Yeah. Don't go... Don't go to fucking the Congo. Go to fucking Providence, Rhode Island and lift this man boo-boo up. All right? Give this man a shot. <laughs> he just knocked out Jason Quigley. This guy is checking boxes everywhere. Horrible, horrible <laughs> fighter, man. Horrible fighter. Horrible. <laughs> payday. Payday. <laughs> payday. All right, that'll do it for episode 339 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in to another episode. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do watch the video on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Drop by theboxingrant.com and get you some swag. And follow us on social media at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. So we'll see you next time on episode 340 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can.